Okay, welcome back. And here's part two of AI in the ER with a focus on radiology. Now, I mentioned before that we spoke about intracranial bleeds as one of the earliest apps for triage and how helpful it was and how the publication numbers were really good. Well, there are many other applications being developed with FDA approval. And again, many of these are the acute setting. So here's a good example of the FDA clearing AI-based pneumothorax alert technology. And that was by Zebra. GE also had a similar application. One of the things GE, which makes equipment, has done, it's built it into the portable x-ray machine. So it's able to triage things and flag critical cases to the radiologist, which could cut time to diagnosis by eight hours. And I think the reason they calculated that is if you have 11 o'clock chest x-ray, most hospitals, you don't read it to the next morning unless someone has a concern. And so it may go undetected that the patient has a pneumothorax for eight hours till someone reads it. Again, what they're also doing is making AI part of the workflow. You don't have to go somewhere else or look somewhere else to get the answer. Every case that's x-rayed by the machine has AI look at it and helps you with the early diagnosis. And this G critical care suite, again, pneumothorax, okay, very, very important. Critical care's overall area under the curve for detecting pneumothorax was 0.96. Large pneumothoraces were detected with high accuracy, as were small pneumothoraces. So again, a very, very helpful tool because we're always looking for pneumothorax, post-line placements, or just hospitalized patients, and you don't want to miss it. And again, their point is things often sit there. You don't read the films to the morning. That's just the way it is. Everyone is really busy and plain films get pushed aside. Well, now if someone really has something, you'll be able to look at the case right away. It's the same thing with AI looking in the entire chest. If it finds a pneumonia, if it finds a mass, you want to read it right away. So that becomes very important. It's a way of doing triage, but it's taking it a step forward because they're looking only for the pathology. So it's really showing it very nicely. And you can consider this as a triage step very much like the triage for intracranial bleeding was done. Pulmonary embolism, the same thing. AI doc and now a few other companies have PE detection. What's very important is that when I say rule out PE, you're usually pretty good at excluding it, though if everyone misses things. But it's all of those chest CTs you do, whether it's a chest abdomen or just a chest alone, where you miss an incidental PE because you're not thinking about it. Or it's an abdominal CT that includes part of a chest and you miss PEs in that region. Well, these apps could increase your accuracy and sensitivity and specificity. And in this work that was done looking at um, this uh, approved technology, it was shown the algorithm achieved optimal results with a sensitivity of 93%, specificity of 95%, and positive predictive value of 77%. Now, this ability to triage acute processes is indeed going to drive ER business. And I think ERs that offer this technology will advertise they're offering it, which will help them in very, very competitive markets. And again, from a patient perspective, 
there's no downside, particularly if it doesn't cost much money or it's for free, it's really a great thing to do. Now in this article by Lexa and Ja, where they were looking at is radiology and AI gonna get along well together? Now in part, their concept was that, hey, AI may become really, really good and it's gonna reduce the radiology workforce. So perhaps it's not really radiologists' friend, maybe it's their foe in time. I think at the end of the day, all of us will agree, AI, if it's really good and it replaces radiologists, all that matters is patient care. So if you don't need as many radiologists, that's the way it is. We need to make certain we do the best uh, patient care. Now I will say it's my opinion that you may see more cases, but it's not gonna replace radiologists. I think we're all so busy now. We need help to be able to do things correctly on a daily basis. Now you can see how quickly things are changing. I mentioned in the first part of the talk about an app that looked at wrist fractures on plain radiographs. This is an article published just recently in Radiology where the background was the interpretation of radiographs suffer from ever-increasing workload in ER and radiology department, while missed fractures represent up to 80% of diagnostic errors in the emergency department. So they wanted to look at the performance of an AI system designed to aid radiologists and ER docs in the detection and localization of appendicular skeletal fractures. Well, they did that and it provided a gain of sensitivity of 8.7% and specificity 4.1% without loss of reading speed. Now that becomes important because AI can slow the radiologist down, but here it's not slowing you down, but it's increasing your sensitivity and specificity. Now in this study, they trained it on over 60,000 radiographs, and when they did the testing, they did not look at the most obvious fractures, which were really easy. They looked at more difficult fractures. They had six radiologists and six ER physicians were asked to detect and localize fractures with and without the aid of software. And that's the logical way. I looked at the case, here's what I think. I look at the case and I have AI helping me. Does that AI help me be more correct? Or maybe it introduces errors. So it's never always gonna be clear, okay? In the study, 600 patients were used. And again, the very simple cases were not used. So it's really a better test. And again, the sensitivity and specificity gain were there. In summary, the key factors were AI is an aid helping highlight potential fractures on radiographs with high sensitivity and specificity. The standalone area under the receiver operator characteristic curve requiring that the AI system detect the precise locations of all fractures on an exam was 0.94 with a newer release of the AI system. Very, very accurate. And the conclusion was we showed that deep learning algorithm aided emergency physicians and radiologists in improving their diagnostic performance and boosting their time efficiency in localization of all appendicular bone fractures on plain radiographs. The algorithm improved as updates were made and that bodes well for the future. Of course, the study always has limitations. 
They mentioned that you didn't know the patient history. Well, we never know the patient history. The patient had trauma, so that's not a problem. They worried about a Hawthorne effect. They worried about cognitive biases. Always issues when you're doing studies, when you're comparing different algorithms or different people. It's always when people look at imaging, when they know you're trying to compare it, for example, to a computer, they really try to read it harder, though some people may give up and read it uh, less hard. But again, the point being, after taking all of those biases in consideration, the AI was still very successful. Now, when you look at chest, the same thing. This was an article looking at major thoracic diseases on chest radiographs, and this algorithm looking at infection consistently outperformed physicians, including thoracic radiologists, in the determination of what was on that chest radiograph with major diseases, which demonstrated the ability to improve the quality and efficiency of clinical practice. Again, if it was only equal to the radiologist, particularly equal to an expert radiologist, that would be great for the majority of people. But now we're saying it's better. In this study, 54,221 chest radiographs with normal findings and 35,613 with abnormal findings were used. At the end of the day, the algorithm outperformed physicians, including radiologists, and enhanced physician performance when used as a second reader. Well, that's exactly what we said with the intracranial bleed apps. And you can see that is the point, that it needs to make you better and help you when used as a second reader. In this article, looking at deep learning-based automatic detection algorithms for chest radiographs, again, it may also help improve the clinical workflow by prioritizing the x-rays with suspicious features, can also improve radiologists' work efficiency, which would partially alleviate the heavy workload burden that radiologists face today and improve patients' turnaround time. So again, all win-wins. In this recent article by Ruckel, looking at missed thoracic findings, now this was an example where they looked at patients with whole body CTs, trauma patients, and you look for obviously the life-threatening things. You're looking for everything, but you do miss things. And secondary lung findings from cardiomegaly to coronary artery plaques to lung lesions, aneurysms, even vertebral fractures are missed at first pass, and this may really help it. We consider AI to be a promising approach to reduce the number of missed findings in clinical settings with the necessary time-critical radiologic reporting. Nevertheless, algorithm improvement is necessary, focusing on a reduction of false positive findings and on algorithm features assessing the finding relevance. So again, there's work to be done, but lots of work is being done. Based on looking at the shock room, these whole body scans, you can see that many things were missed. Cardiomegaly, coronary plaques, dilatation of thoracic aorta, additional fractures. Again, all very important findings. And imagine just simply being able to triage the patients and do it better than ever. And the conclusion was, we demonstrated in a retrospective proof of concept setting the high potential of AI approaches to reduce the number of missed findings in clinical emergency room settings that require a very time-critical radiologic reporting. So again, we will do better in that regard. 
other things to look at. One of the things we note at times is people mention thyroid nodules, lung nodules, indeterminate renal masses, and then it's never worked up. We all have heard about legal suits where someone mentioned their lung nodule, there was no follow-up, and then four years later, the patient comes back with a eight centimeter cancer and everybody's sued. Well, with natural language processing, companies like Verum Health is one example, they analyze the reports and are able to find what patients need to be follow up and guide those reports to the right person. So everybody is followed up. It eliminates many of the misses and the things falling through the cracks in the ER setting. AI uh, machine learning systems function through the use of mathematical, mathematical models, which can be trained on various data sets. Of course, it's very important, and we all know this, that you need multiple types of data sets. If you're doing CT at Hopkins, you do certain protocols, certain scanners. It would be great to have other protocols, other scanners, and then you could test really how good your algorithms are. If you only have your own data, not that you're cheating, but the fact is computers can get good on one type of data. What happens when there's multiple types of data sets? So that indeed becomes very, very important. One of the reasons we talk about collaboration, one of the reasons we talk about federated learning is we want more data sets for whatever our application is. Now, it's interesting. This was just an article published the other day by Mazeroski, and maybe some of it's tongue-in-cheek, but he was asking about the complaining that AI doesn't meet the requirements, that some of it is black box. And he made the point that how clear are we about how humans read x-rays? We talk about AN-mini, right? I see something as an AN-mini. Why is it AN-mini? Because I know it's an AN-mini. That's why it's an AN-mini. It sounds like a circular reasoning. But even the best radiologists who are really good, they kind of look at the images and they make the diagnosis. How'd you reach it? Well, I kind of know what it looks like. I personally, and all of you in the audience, when you're reading studies, you read them based on everything you know. I constantly look at more cases. So when I see something, like today, for example, I think I diagnosed a ganglioneuroma in an adrenal gland. I wouldn't have done that two years ago, but I now have looked at many ganglioneuromas. I know they enhance late. This case enhanced late. Now, of course, if the computer had all the information, the computer would get that right. So I'm trying to do it myself, but computers will really help you. The point is that we don't always know how computers work, but we also don't know how people really work. And as article, I observe that the expectations from AI and radiologists are fundamentally different. Uh, despite well-proven idiosyncrasies and biases in human decision-making, we take comfort from the assumption that others make decisions in a way as we do, and we trust, their, we trust our own decision-making. Despite poor ability to explain decision-making process in humans, we accept explanations of decisions given by other humans. So it's interesting. His point is we don't always know why we think something is something and we get it right. But when you look at AI, you want it to be perfect all the time and explain things all the time. Well, that simply is not going to work. And so his point was... Perhaps we need to really think about how we look at AI and how we judge it, no different than we judge other radiologists. We don't always know all what they're thinking, but if they're getting the right answer in the majority of time, if they're doing their work, that is simply terrific, okay? 
So it appears that radiologists and AI systems, for slightly different reasons, are in the same boat. Neither can offer a high level of reassurance through explanations of their decisions. So again, uh, it's an interesting way of thinking about things. It's a great article to read, but it does make the point that we're really going to have to think about are we assuming that the computer needs to be 100% accurate 100% of the time? We're asking for too much. We're asking for the black box not to be there. Well, the black box is going to be there. We may not always know why the computer makes a decision, but if the decisions time and time again are correct, we have to use the computer. But again, there's a mistrust and a misunderstanding, but we'll see how things get there. Now, of course, I should mention that a lot of the work being done is in the research setting. When you move things into the clinic, it's harder. Remember how much everybody hates Epic and all the electronic health records, despite they've been around for a long time, despite we quote unquote were involved in their implementation. It's important that when AI is implemented, it's implemented correctly so people have less work and not more work, okay? Very, very important. This article by Lynn makes the point, AI will be most effective when it enhances physicians' ability to focus their full attention on the patient by shifting physicians' responsibilities away from transactional tasks toward personalized care that lies at the heart of human healing. In practice then, a lot of things are coming along. Everybody wants change, but nobody wants it put on them. If you're putting AI in the ER, certain recommendations involve everybody, the radiologist and the non-radiologist, the radiology techs and the radiologist, the medical staff and the nursing staff and the surgical staff and the administrative staff. You want to focus on specific problems. Don't try to do everything the first day. Get success stories. Get win-win situations where the patients benefit. Obviously, it's easy. And the hospital benefits. The system is faster. We're all more accurate. That's how we want to do things. We really want to do this. Now, a challenge that always sits there with many things is things we can't answer. The first... Uh, uh, code, AMA code for um, deep learning was approved a few months ago. But will we really get reimbursed for all our AI? Will overall reimbursement increase or decrease? Maybe it'll give you 20 bucks a case and they'll take away 30 from not using AI. If AI becomes very accurate, will, be, will there be a push for non-radiologists to read studies? Because if it's very accurate, then they'll say, okay, we can read them. I'm an ER doc. I don't need a radiologist because an ER doc plus a computer might be a very powerful thing. So I think in conclusion, this was a good quote. There is little doubt that AI technology will benefit almost all medical personnel, ranging from specialty physicians to paramedics in the future. Furthermore, patients should benefit from AI technology directly via mobile applications. Physicians should collaborate with the different stakeholders within the AI ecosystem to provide ethical, practical, user-friendly, and cost-effective solutions that reduce the gap between research settings and applications in clinical practice. Collaborations with regulators, patient advocates, AI companies, technology giants, and venture capitalists will help move the field forward. And really, it's a team sport. We're working with Microsoft. We work with Siemens. We work with Google. We work with the Lusgarden Foundation. We work with people at NYU. 
we work with people at Stanford. So there's many different opportunities. I think the opportunity has never been better, but it does take work. There's some challenges and there's going to be some headaches along the way. But I think as you get into it, you're going to find it very worthwhile. And with that, I thank you very much for your attention. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.